Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of AdMail. This is Adam Bergman, founder and CEO of iRay Financial. I'm here to help you find the answers to the most frequently asked questions from my clients about self-directed retirement accounts. If you want to learn more, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on social media. Just search iRay Financial. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of AdMail. I'm Adam Bergman, tax attorney and founder of iRay Financial. On today's episode, we're going to tackle three great questions from three super smart people. One will be involving lending money to an IRA. Second, when can you actually, it's the last potential date that you can make contributions to a SEP IRA. And then ultimately, if you're getting a K-1 to a self-directed IRA, how does that work? How is the reporting done? So appreciate um, everyone who's uh, supporting the podcast. If you have questions, you can send them in anytime. You can leave a comment on YouTube or any of the podcasts on our YouTube channel, IRA Financial. You can email us at info at IRA Financial. Just say ask Adam or AdMail. It'll get to me. Don't worry. And um, we'd love to hear from you. So. Without further ado, let's get started. First questions from John Jay of Springfield, Missouri. And John wants to know, can a non-disqualified person lend funds to my self-directed IRA to buy real estate? And John, yeah. The answer is yeah. When it comes to transacting with an IRA, the IRS only says what you cannot do, not what you can do. So. Basically, when it comes to transacting with an IRA, there's two elements that you need for a transaction to be potentially prohibited. You need a disqualified person and you need, of course, a retirement account. So then the question is, who is a disqualified person? So obviously, you got to look at the IRA owner because that's where the analysis starts. And then from there, you look at the IRA owner's lineal descendants. So parents, children, spouse, daughter-in-law, son-in-law. And then any entities controlled 50% or more voting or, or ownership by such persons, including trusts. So in the case of John, so long as that person is non-disqualified, right? It's a non-parent, non-child, non-spouse, non-daughter-in-law, non-son-in-law, non-entity controlled by you or those disqualified persons, then yes, your IRA could borrow money from such person. The one thing to keep in mind then is once you then agree to do this loan transaction because it does not violate the IRS prohibited transaction rules, you then have to be aware of what's called UBIT, unrelated business income tax, which is a tax imposed on tax exempts like charities, but also retirements that do three things. Use a loan to buy an asset like stock, use a loan to buy real estate, and then invest in an active business through an LLC. So in this case, since you're gonna be borrowing money to buy real estate, the UBIT rules can potentially get triggered if there's more than $1,000 in net income that's allocated and associated with that investment. The problem with the UBIT tax is then is that once you have more than approximately $14,500 of net annual income, the UBIT tax follows the trust and estates tax rates, which go as high as 37%. So it's quite a, a large tax. You could potentially reduce it to 21% by using a, a C-Corp locker instead of an LLC. Um, but it's still obviously a tax. It's not 37, but it's still 21%. Now, if you have no net income, because in a lot of real estate transactions, there's generally no net 
annual income for many, many years because of depreciation, other expenses, uh, also obviously uh, debt servicing. So long as the net income is less than a thousand bucks, then actually there's, there's no UBIT. So John, just a couple of things to keep in mind. Um, if you're a client of ours, reach out to us. Uh, we have a great compliance team. We'd love to help you out. Second question came from YouTube and this individual wants to know, when are my SEP IRA contributions due for 2022? So a SEP IRA, it's a great question. I'm actually going to do a um, specific podcast or a video on this because this question comes up quite a bit. There's still a lot of SEP lovers out there. A SEP's a pure profit sharing plan. For 2022, the most you can put in is 61,000 bucks. There's no catch up if you're over 50. For 2022, all contributions are pre-tax. 2023, Secure Act 2.0 is now added a raw option to the SEP IRA, but for 2022, the contribution deadline depends on the business that adopted the plan. So a sole proprietor, it's April 15th plus extension all the way to October 15th. For a single member LLC, it's April 15th plus extension all the way to October 15th. For a C-Corp, it's March 15th, um, oh, excuse me, April 15th all the way to October 15th. For a S-Corp, it's March 15th all the way up to September 15th. For a partnership, it's a multiple member LLC, March 15th, all the way up until September 15th. So obviously you have to, you can make contributions for 22 and 23, but it needs to be before the company filed its return, including extensions. Um, so thanks for that question. Third and final question of today's podcast from Allison V of Boynton Beach, Florida. Allison wants to know, I will be receiving a K-1 from an investment my self-directed IRA is investing in. Who should the K-1 be issued to? So if your IRA LLC is investing in a real estate fund, an investment fund, and it's receiving a K-1 because it's a member of a partnership, who gets a K-1? Well, anyone who's a partner or member of a partnership, multiple member LLC, part of the 1065, which is the annual partnership return filing for that entity, the K-1 is associated with that 1065. Now, what does the K-1 do? The K-1 basically tells the IRS, who these members are, what their economic position is in their partnership, i.e. what's their capital account, and what income, loss, profit allocation uh, was allocated to that partner. So it gives the IRS a snapshot of the status of that partner and the partnership. And why does the IRS want K-1 information? Because it's very helpful for them to know how income or losses are being reported by that member, right? Because a partnership is a flow through entity. There is a partnership return of form 1065. But there's no partnership level tax. All the partnership income flows through to the partners, to the members, and then those individuals or entities, those members slash partners report the income or losses on their 1040 or, or respective tax return. So if you're getting a K-1 and you have an IRA LLC, the LLC should be the recipient of that K-1. If you're not using an LLC and it's just a self-directed IRA, then technically the IRA custodian, for example, IRA Financial Trust Company, for the benefit of the Adam Bergman IRA, would be the recipient of the K-1. You can provide the tax ID number of the custodian, or you can provide, or you can acquire a separate tax ID number for the IRA um, very easily and for no fee on the IRS website and obviously just provide the address of the IRA, you know, care of the IRA custodian. And again, it's just used by the IRS to get a snapshot of the economic um, 
you know, picture of the partnership and obviously lets the IRS know um, what income losses distributions have been um, engaged during the taxable year so that the IRS could then make sure that that individual or, or that member or partner has actually properly reported that income on their respective tax return, i.e. can afford it. So there you go. Thank you, Allison. Thank you, uh, person from YouTube and John, appreciate the questions. And that's another ad mail in the bag. So I appreciate everyone who submitted questions. Appreciate all your support. Thanks for listening. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, appreciate it. Um, quick, right to the point. Uh, it's a great podcast. <laughs> um, why? Because the questions are great. It's not me. The questions are great. Um, it's fun. I love doing this podcast. So leave a comment. If you have questions, don't, don't be shy. Send them in. I keep it anonymous. No one has to know who you are. And I'm telling you, if you have that question, there's thousand people behind you that have the same question just you might as well ask it because you're helping yourself out you're helping the whole self-directed retirement nation and you're also helping me out because i learn a lot from these questions so thanks again have a great great um day this is obviously a weekly podcast that drops every thursday um give it a like um and definitely if you haven't subscribed to our financial youtube channel you should can you can actually watch this podcast on youtube along with three uh, other videos, a YouTube Live, and two other podcasts. So you get a lot of great content at your fingertips. So have a great day and uh, take care of yourself. Thanks.